To get things started this morning, I do want to let you know that I probably am going to preach a little bit shorter than than normal because I really want to go back into a time of worship. Um, I want to let you know that I, I want to do that mostly because I feel like I need it this week. I told our team, be prepared to come back up because I really just need to spend some time with my father. I've got to be honest with you this morning, and, and before I get into a few things, I want to know, is it okay if I open up a little bit and I'm a little bit vulnerable with you this morning? Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be me, that I can be human. I don't have to be some superhero pastor that just floats in here and I'm glowing and all that stuff. You allow me to be me. But no, for real, this past week was tough on me. Specifically, Tuesday was a crazy day for me. I probably experienced more contrasting emotions on Tuesday than I have in a day in a long time. I had a day filled with a lot of high highs, but a lot of extremely low lows. You know, it started, I actually had just a doctor's appointment. I got some stuff going on with my leg, and the process that they told me it's going to take to relieve some pain and some other thing, it, it's going to take a lot longer than I thought it was going to take, so I was bummed out. And so it was kind of like disappointing for me. And then I go and I meet up with somebody. I had a meeting scheduled, and this guy, he was just really pouring out words of affirmation over me. And if you know anything about me and if you've been around me, my love language is words of affirmation. So I left that meeting like on Clyde Nine, on Clyde Nine, like with this contrasting emotion. And then as Corey said, as you heard earlier, I came in uh, in this office, in this place, and we began to look over all of the praise reports. And, man, I was so encouraged. So first off, thank you. I think we had like 25 or 30 different just testimonies of what God is doing in your life. And as I'm reading through these, honestly, it was so encouraging. So thank you. But then right after that, of course, we get together and we're praying over the things that you guys are going through. And i got to be honest, I'm not some pastor that just comes in here and preaches and then I'm out. Like, I actually care about you. I care about what you're going through. When you hurt, I hurt. And there's some people in this place that are going through some difficult things. We have some people that have just lost loved ones in their life. We have people that are dealing with family members that have cancer. And my heart, as we're praying, is just absolutely breaking. And you can ask our team at one point as we're praying, like I'm literally moved to tears. Highs and lows. Mountaintops and valleys. And then later on that afternoon, I get a call and wasn't one of those good calls. Matter of fact, it's somebody that I love and I deeply care about, and their marriage is falling apart. And I'm sitting there on the phone, and I'm actually crying with them, and I'm praying with them, and I'm believing with them, and I'm trying to encourage them. But at the same time, like, I'm experiencing this, like, heaviness in my spirit. See, why am I, why am I telling you all this? You see, over the last six weeks, we've been in the series, Make Him Jealous, and we've talked about a lot of amazing things. And yes, we can have this culture of celebration, and we can have this excitement to our life, and that is attractive, right? It does make people jealous. We have something that they want, and so they gravitate towards us. That thing that we have is Jesus and the life that he provides. But I'm here to tell you that I think if we take this to the next level, the next step up, is when we actually get in this season of struggle, when we're hearing bad news and there's storms and it's chaos all around our life, but we handle ourselves with a quiet confidence. We handle ourselves knowing who we are and whose we belong to. That is something that is irresistible. 
And when people see that, they're attracted to that, and they're jealous of what we have because we can be in a state of maybe calmness when there's chaos. We can have strength when there's the storm. Right, that is what is attractive. That is what is going to make people jealous. So I'm just going to be honest. I told you as we opened up, this message I think is going to encourage someone here. Maybe many of you here because this is for those of you that might be kind of heavy in spirit. Maybe you're worried about something. Maybe you're fearful about something, that something's going to happen or there's some chaos right now surrounding your life. This hopefully is going to bring you some encouragement. Matter of fact, I wanted to share this with you because on Tuesday after going through all that, I show up in my office on Wednesday and I'm having a conversation with Pastor Corey and what I was going to preach on today is kind of the next step after what I preached on two weeks ago. I was going to pick it up from there where I talked about how Jesus came eating and drinking, how he came to show us that relationships are more important than rules. I was going to talk about how he set an example that people matter so, so that we should invest ourselves into people's lives. And I ended that, ser- that sermon, if you remember it from two weeks ago, how Jesus loved to go to parties. He really does. And so I had this idea, man, I want to preach on a party. Man, I got this acronym for party, you know, because if the kingdom of God is like a man who threw a party, and the kingdom, according to Jesus, in Luke 17, is within us, so then I can just deduce that everywhere we go should be like a party. And that's what I wanted to preach on today. And I got in my office and I was talking to Pastor Corey after that crazy day Tuesday. And I'm like, I just don't feel like it. Man, I'm just in the season. I just had this, man, high and low, high and low. I'm like, I don't feel like preaching like a party, but I do want to bring some encouragement to some people. That you can hold your head up. That you can have peace. That you can be encouraged despite what you're currently going through. And so then the scripture that immediately came to mind was Philippians 4, chapter or verse 4. And when, when we look at this, I want you to notice something before we read it, that this, that this uh, letter to the church in Philippi was actually written by the Apostle Paul, but he wrote it when he was in prison. I want you to have this perspective, right? A dude that could be worried, he could be anxious, he could be fearful, right? Am I getting out of here? Am I not? Are they going to kill me? What's going to happen? Here's a guy that that is probably some things that he's facing, but he pins these words. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, check it out. He says this, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Crazy. He says rejoice. He's, He's in jail, and he says rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Even in the situation that he's in, even in the situation that you're in, rejoice in the Lord always. And oh, in case you didn't just hear what I just said, I'm going to say it again. I'll say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, and here's how I'm going to tie it in to make him jealous. He says this, let your gentleness be evident to all, meaning people see something that you have. They want something that you have. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And whenever I begin to kind of dive in this week on this verse right here, I was thinking, oh, of course, gentleness, this is a fruit of the Spirit. It should be evident in our life. But this, it's weird. This Greek word gentleness here is not the same Greek word for gentleness as in the fruit of the Spirit. So it's something different. You see, this gentleness, this gentleness that's to be evident of all, is this, uh, is this idea of being uh, a, like a fixture that doesn't move, that you're not rattled. 
that the foundation that you're on, you know that it's strong. And so nothing, nothing makes you waver, right? It's like this, like I said earlier, this quiet confidence. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And how can we be people that have our gentleness evident to all? How can we rejoice in all situations? Because we know the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Many of us, we go through this verse, and we just kind of skip over that. I think that's the meatiest part of the verse. We can rejoice, and our gentleness can be evident to all because the Lord is near. Then it goes on to say this, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation. There it is again. He said it earlier, always. Now he's saying, man, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything, but that's hard to do today, isn't it? I mean, just think about it. Like, man, we wake up and we hear about, like, you know, these terrorist bombings. We hear about these mass shootings that are taking place all over. You could walk around today being very anxious. And that's just some big scale things. Like, there's also, like, the small things you could be anxious about. Like, like for instance, in our life, a couple weeks ago, we had our four son, our youngest, start kindergarten. And I'm going to be honest, Melanie and I, we, we were anxious to send him. We say, every, we say to everybody, man, if he was our first, he'd be an only child. Like, he is uh, a little bit crazy, but he's a little bit awesome, and I love him to death. But as we drop him off at the doors, I'm a little bit anxious. And two weeks in, we've gotten two phone calls and a letter sent home, so every morning we're even a little bit more anxious. But every morning I pray on the way to school for him and what he's going through and that he'll listen. And, but I'm thinking, man, have I done enough? Have I poured enough into him in just the five short years I've had with him so that he can actually carry himself well and he can actually carry the name Bannon and it makes it a good representation? You guys know what I'm talking about. I can be anxious about those things. You know, and speaking of my, my son Jude, matter of fact, uh, I just read a study actually this past week too that talked about how Gen Z, which is like maybe junior high and under, like, they are like the strip most stressed out generation ever. I mean, we're talking about like 13-year-olds. And I'm like, I don't relate because I'm like, what do they have to be stressed about? Man, they're 13. They should be living life, loving life. But they're the most stressed out generation ever. You see, today, this is for all of us, we have more things in our life to make us comfortable. We have more things in our life to make life easy than we've ever had before, and yet we are the most stressed out people ever, that ever lived. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Paul, how is that possible? But, it, but he says it so it is possible, and I'm thinking it lies in that phrase, understanding that the Lord is near. Matter of fact, what I want to do is, is just share something that, that I learned this week from another pastor. I was, I was kind of in this mindset of, 
this roller coaster of emotion, and, and I came across this podcast and was actually on anxiety, and he kind of talked about the story of Elijah found in 1 Kings 19, and he kind of just walked through the story, and as I'm listening to this podcast, I'm going to be honest, I was so encouraged. Matter of fact, by the end of the week, I was a completely different person than I was on Tuesday, just in my spirit and in my soul. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like it is really true that, man, as you get into the word and as you allow the word and, and as you spend time with Jesus, as you do that, man, life begins to come. And, and I just want to be honest. I want to share a few things that I've learned from this podcast. So what you're going to hear is not, not necessarily something that I came up with. I can't take credit for it, even though I wish I could. But I want to share you what brought me encouragement, and I think it will bring a lot of you encouragement as well. As a matter of fact, if you brought your Bibles, Go ahead and open with me to 1 Kings 19. We're going to, as I said, look at this story about a man named Elijah. Now, before we, before we pick up the story, what you have to know about Elijah is that he was a prophet called by God. He actually was hanging out with this dude named King Ahab. God called Elijah to pray for a drought. He prayed for a drought. A drought came. The king got completely ticked off. He got upset. Matter of fact, he got so upset, he sent armies after Elijah to kill him. And so for three years, listen to that, three years, Elijah had to dodge King Ahab's army, the people that were coming to kill him. But in those three years, he saw God show up incredibly. He saw God show up miraculously. Matter of fact, as he was on the run, he was fed food, bread and meat by ravens. Like some birds brought him food while he's hanging out, right? It was just crazy. He shows up to one town. He goes to a widow's house. He shows up. The, the, the widow's son died, which was a huge deal because she was already without a husband. And she kind of is freaking out a little bit. And Elijah says, don't worry. I'll take care of it. Matter of fact, more than that, God will take care of it. He goes up to his room, lays across him, breathes life back into him, prays. The son comes back to life. I mean, Elijah saw some incredible, incredible miracles. He saw way, way more than just those two. But there was one time, 850 false prophets come to him. He's standing against them. They came to kill him, but he actually calls down fire and actually burns them up, which I'm not going to say that that was the heart of God. I don't believe it was, but that's actually what happened, and that's what the story recorded. But here's the deal. He had seen amazing things, but when that happened, the king was, like, so frustrated. Well, his wife understands his frustration, sees it's been three years. He can't do anything about this dude, Elijah. He can't take him out. So she says, hey, king, honey, like, I guess you can never send a man to do a woman's job. I'll take care of it. So she actually starts looking for him. And Elijah, he hears that Je this woman, her name is Jezebel, is after her. And for three years, he saw God provide. And then when he hears Jezebel's after him, he starts to freak out. Matter of fact, let's pick up the story. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. This is what it says. It says that Elijah was afraid. Now, realize it's been three years he's been running for his life, but all of a sudden now he's going to be afraid. But Elijah was afraid, and we're going to see some mistakes that he made. Let, let's check this out. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Crazy. We'll come back to that too. And he said, I've had enough. 
You ever been there? I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. I can't, I can't take it anymore. I've had enough. Man, I'm sure all of us have been at that point a time or two in our life, right? I'm over it. I've had enough. Man, one thing after another, after another, after another, that's it. I've had enough. I'm tired of it. And I'm sure we can all kind of relate to where Elijah is now in his life. But here's the thing. As we read just those two short verses, he actually made some incredible mistakes. Right? The first mistake that we just read about is that when he was afraid, what did he do? He ran. And not only did he run where he was to Bathsheba, where he was going, dude, ran 100 miles, four marathons, like straight. He was running and running and running and running, but don't we do that? Don't we run ourselves ragged sometimes? Like we fill our lives and we fill our calendars with so much that we never leave margin or room for God. And not only that, we run and run and run, and we think if we keep ourselves busy, that we can be distracted long enough to not have to deal what maybe we're afraid of or what we're anxious about. And he ran and he ran and ran. The next mistake, just in that first verse, is he isolated himself. It says that his servant went with him. So not only did he run 100 miles, his servant ran 100 miles with him. I don't know who you are. That's a good friend. That's a real good friend. If he can keep up with you while you're running 100 miles away and you're scared and he's sitting there right there with you, He's running those four marathons with you. That is a good friend. But he tells his friend, he tells his trusted servant, hey, you stay here. I'm going to go off alone in the wilderness for a little while. Man, but we isolate ourselves all the time. And that's exactly, exactly I feel like what the enemy wants us to do when we're going through seasons where we're fearful, we're afraid, we're anxious, we're nervous, we're worried. We want to try to get alone, and then we think like, oh, no one else is going through this. I'm the only one. No one understands me. And we get to this place where we're isolated, and then we have nobody to talk things through with. We have nobody to have our back. Matter of fact, that's why I am such a big believer in connect groups and what we're doing. Because I believe that relationships are important. I believe that those relationships, they matter. You need people in your life to encourage you, to strengthen you, to speak life over you. When you're going through situations like this, whenever you feel like your whole world is falling apart, Man, he isolated himself. The third thing he did was, man, he just focused on the negative, didn't he? Man, I'm no better than my ancestors. Uh, he says that he prayed that he might die, which is crazy. Here's how you know he ain't thinking logically and he needed somebody to speak into his life. Because if he prayed that he might die, all I'd have to do is like, dude, there's people after you chasing you to kill you. Just go and see them and they'll take care of that prayer request. I mean, do you see the, the, the thought here is like crazy? He prayed that he might die, and yet he was afraid and why he was running because he thought somebody was going to kill him. He was just focused on the negative. And then the last thing real quick that I learned from this podcast that I want to share with you is that in this moment that he forgot God. This is the biggest mistake probably all of, our, all of us make. We go through things and we forget God. Which is crazy for Elijah, because if you would even consider his own name, Elijah, Elijah, this three-syllable name, 
it actually means something very important. That should have been a reminder to him that God was with him. Elijah, Elijah, El is short for Elohim, God. I is short for possessive, like my. And then Jah is short for Jehovah or Yahweh, which is the breath of God. It's the source of life. So his own name, Elijah, means God is my breath. Oh, God's here. God's with me. He's my source. He's my strength. He'll never leave me. Oh, God is right there beside me. I don't have anything to be fearful about. Matter of fact, he tells me not to be afraid. His own name was the reminder that God was with him. But how many times do we forget God? And in this, in this moment, he's freaking out, he's afraid, he's on the run. And does God like scold him? Does God get on him? Does God say, oh, I, I, I can't use you anymore. You can't be a prophet. You can't do this. You can't do that. No, he, he actually invites him to experience something incredible about the heart of God. Matter of fact, he invites him to come to this cave while he's hanging out and hiding out in the wilderness. He goes up to the cave, and we're going to pick back up the story. If you're still there in 1 Kings 19, pick back up the story in verse 11. It says that the Lord said, go out, Elijah, and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, and it tore it apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Man, the earthquake, the wind, the fire, this dramatic, right, this remarkable, this extraordinary, like you would think, oh, man, surely God's in that, and that's a whole another sermon for a whole another time. But God wasn't in any of those things, and it says, and after all those things, and after the fire came what? A gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. Now, this is, this is so incredible, and I'm going to actually ask the band to come up, because I told you I want to worship after this, but God was in the whisper. And as I was thinking about this whisper, it's like, why did he whisper? Well, why was that significant? Well, if you think about it, you know, if, if I'm trying to talk to Stacy back there and I'm up here, like, I got to talk pretty loud. Well, I mean, I got a microphone, so not real loud, but you know what I mean. If I'm trying to scream across the room. I'm like trying to, you ever been in one of the rooms or been in like a uh, movie theater or been like at a sporting event and you go find a seat first and the people you're with, they come in and you're just like, hey, and you start yelling and you jump up and down. You do that if they're across the room and you need to get their attention and you yell and all that. But when do you, when would you whisper? Right, if I wanted to tell Stacy something back there in the corner. No, she, she would have not a clue with what I'm saying. But if I'm hanging out with my man John right here, and if we were close enough, he heard exactly what I was saying. So what is it about the whisper? How does that show the character and heart of God? You see, God wanted Elijah to know in that moment, and he wants us to know in this moment that he's close. He's right there. 
always be right. Matter of fact, there is no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love that we have in Christ Jesus. Not height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love that we have in Christ. He's close. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's right here. And honestly, that's what brought me so much encouragement this week to know he never left me. That he's always that whisper away. And I don't know about you. Maybe that doesn't mean that much to you because maybe you haven't spent that much time with your father lately. But when you have that time with your father, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it brings peace. Right? We present our request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. We can't even describe it. It comes and it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. Our minds, when we start to freak out and we start to worry and we start to be afraid, man, that peace guards us from living chaotically. And I'm telling you, when you live firm, when you know the foundation you're standing on is Jesus, when you know he's near, you know he'll never leave you, man, I'm telling you right now that that brings not only incredible like assurance to your life, not only incredible encouragement, but people take note of that. So when you're going through your storm, they're like, man, how are you acting the way you're acting? How are you responding the way you're responding? Like, you should be a mess right now because your world is falling apart, but you're not. And that's when you just simply say, it's, I can't explain it. Other than I know that my father's near, that he's near.